Bob, I'll do this. What is up, everybody? What you guys think of that intro, right? Jules actually got on with me yesterday and showed me how to do it. But listen, what an honor to sit here again with my mate, Gary Adsheed. I hope I didn't murder it. I probably did. And I'm sorry if I did. Uh, my, my mate from uh, California Superbike School out in the UK, I had him on earlier. Uh, I well, actually had the tail end of uh, last year uh, where we talked about the school and how I got into motorcycles and all that good stuff. But uh, I actually want to get more in depth in, in the whole school. But first, welcome, Gary. Thanks for coming back. Hey, it's good to be back. Thanks for having us. It's, uh, it's a pleasure for me, too. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely an honor. For some reason, it says I'm having trouble streaming to Facebook, but uh, I'll figure that out as we get in this conversation. I don't know what's going on, right? Uh, but anyway, um, what's been going on since the last time you was on here and, and we had a chat with, with the school? Has there been any changes? Um, well, we, um, we we ran the, the school's part of the Kawasaki UK stand at the Motorcycle Live, the National Bike Show at uh, the National Exhibition Centre at the end of November. And uh, that's when we normally launch our dates for the for the next coming season. So we, we launched them for the NEC and um, we we were really successful. We had a, we had an awful lot of people came up, a lot of new people tech coming on board and booking the school day, but also a lot of returning customers, which is fabulous. So we're, we're clearly doing something right, which is great news. Um, so yeah, so we did the, uh, did the show will be partnered again by Kawasaki for 2024, which is which is great news. We're looking forward to that. Getting on some, uh, getting on some motorcycles again, and um, the the bookings for the school have been going really well. We've had probably just over 70 percent now of uh, of all places booked up for the year. We run a school at uh, Donington Park in July, as you know, and uh, that sold out pretty much overnight. It was amazing. So we're uh, we're really looking forward to it and getting going again. Dude, that's awesome, man. You've you've guys had a, an amazing year uh, last year, and it's I assume it's been a great start to this year as well. As we had a little conversation before this actually started, so it's it's uh I'm excited for you guys. You know, it's it's great uh, that you guys do uh, what you do, and uh, it's it's fortunate uh, you have a program like that and genuine people that actually care. Right? Um, sometimes you come across that some some people don't in in our industry, but. Uh, for the majority, it's it's been proper. I mean, everybody, right? It's it's it, and I couldn't imagine coaching somebody like I, I've taught and taught and listen to me. Uh, I have shown some of my friends, you know, how to ride. Never rode before, right? So I get them out on the bike. Okay, this is this, this is that. I start them off uh, sitting on the bike first, flat foot, right? Just barely let out the clutch, roll it up on the ball of your feet. So you know the whole basic. Um, and then by the end of the day, they're doing laps around the neighborhood, and and, and it's awesome, right? Um, but on your level, that's a whole nother level, right? Because they already know how to ride. You're teaching them how to hone their skills, right? Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of people, in, you know, you get the uh, the things like the, the National Bike Safe and uh, the Royal Society Prevention of Accidents and the Advanced Riders, all that kind of stuff. They spend a lot of time with the riders working, particularly on things like hazard perception and planning your ride and making sure that you're as safe as safe can be and can anticipate you know things as, as far as you possibly can to make sure that uh, you get to the other end of the ride and you're safe and you've enjoyed it and we spend time working with the riders and getting the rider to improve their skills and, in, and invest in themselves 
you know, you get a lot of people who buy, uh, it doesn't even have to be a new bike, they'll buy a, a used bike and then they'll say, right, okay, I'm going to put an end can on it and they, they, they uh, tailor it to their own tastes and, and make the bike the individual. And they spend a lot of money on accessories, but you very rarely get motorcyclists who spend money on improving their own skills and investing in their own riding. So it's nice to have people on board who, who want to come along to the school. And it, it is a significant investment in, in terms of the, the cost of the school. And so we find because of that, when people want to come and learn, then they want to put as much into it as they can and also take as much from it as they can. So it, it's, a, it's a great place to be. And of course, the coaches are all former students. And so they've they recognize the journey that a lot of the the particularly the people who come and do level one, they recognize the journey that they're on because they've been there. They know what the problems are. Yeah, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've taken this school uh, not on any any level of, of what you guys offer. I wish looking back that I, I did. Uh, my first one was in uh, 98 in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, when I did my first uh track day right you of course new rider school you sit down they go over the track you know and all that you go you went out uh they told you the do's and the don'ts you know don't think you're out here being miguel duhamel because you're not right uh everybody just be safe you know the whole basic kind of intro orange t-shirt over the leathers went out there follow instructors a couple laps and then basically it was like look just be so use your head be safe right if you have any questions we're here let us know uh but it wouldn't other than that it was basically you know off we go um if you had questions you come back and ask and yeah they, they absolutely help but um looking back and and watching videos of not just your school but other schools too you know uh on how they properly teach people they have the stationary bike where they teach them proper proper body position um you know looking through the corner not looking too far down or too far ahead you know all, all that stuff that goes with it um i wish i, I would have done and i Hey, it's not too late, right? I'm still young. I can still get on there and do it. So um, we get we get some people come in the school who are older than older than both of us, which is great to see. You know, they uh, they love it. It's it's also it's funny you said that, Gary, because um, uh, I actually got Facebook checked on here, but it's not showing up on my phone. But we're live on there too, anyway. But uh, when I took, I remember in '95, uh, I was getting ready to get my license. I had to wait until night. 96 at the uh, was it 95 uh yeah somewhere 95 96 anyway uh went and signed up for we have a class out here at virginia western called motorcycle safety course right so you go out there and you get a discount on your insurance because you provided hey i took a safety training course and all this stuff so um i remember when i showed up it was friday saturday sunday it's half classroom half out there it's basic proper basic figure eight 15 miles an hour come to the stop, you know, all, all this circles and all this stuff. Um, just your basic, that's it, right? So I remember I showed up that morning, Gary, and I'm looking over and I was like, there ain't no way she's going to ride, right? Dude, she was like 78 years old. And she's yeah. like, yeah, I always wanted to do it. My husband had, I'll never forget the conversation. We actually become good friends. I try to help her. We gave each other a hug. It was, it was awesome. Right. She's like, yeah, my husband ended up passing away and I always want to do it. He was afraid of motorcycles. Couldn't do it. So you know what? I'm in. And I was like, yes, I love it. Yeah. It was, it was good stuff. And uh, I never forget the smile and the satisfaction she had uh, Sunday when she got her certificate. Right. It was uh good yeah. stuff, man. You, you feel that that energy and that love and that satisfaction and it's it's everything 
Yeah, it's just that whole smile on the face, you know, the people, when they get something and they overcome a barrier or something they don't understand, they, you know, the whole sort of being lights up. It's great to see. That's awesome. It is. Dude, listen, everybody, I can't see it on my phone. So the guys, people that are commenting, I don't see your name. Um, but what is up, everybody? How you guys doing? What's up, Chris? Um, I, I don't I don't know what's happening with it on my phone. But anyway, uh, you know, it's it's always something I, I wanted to do. So let's start, Gary, from the beginning. Uh, I go online, CaliforniaSuperbike.co.uk. I sign up, obviously, for the, for the first course, right? So I go through the whole email, name, pay, credit card, or whatever it is, and then sign up for a particular date and time because you guys got a calendar on there, right? So uh, for everybody listening, and me included, right, I've been really interested in this. What do beginner riders taking your first course, what do they need to bring in prep preparation for that day or that weekend? Okay, so first of all, they do need a full UK motorcycle license. Um, and of course it has to be valid and if they don't have a, a UK motorcycle license then they need an ACU competition license so they have to demonstrate a measure of competency to be able to ride and control a motorcycle um, so they'll they'll turn up on the day with the right with the with the license or, or competition license whichever it is and the day starts at 7 a.m with registration so they'll they'll turn up at the at the circuit uh, park the bike in a designated place they'll be shown where to park it They'll be told which particular group they're in because we split them into three groups and then they'll go and sign on with the member of staff who's registering that particular group so once they've been registered they'll be given a number uh, to put on the front of the bike uh, they'll be given a booklet uh, which will explain the the day for them in terms of the the classroom sessions that they're going to be doing and the things they're going to be learning with space on there for them to make their own notes as well um so they they do that then there's uh but by the time we've registered everybody, the bikes outside are given a once over just to make sure that they're um, track worthy. You know, it's as long as things aren't hanging off them, the chain's not dragging on the floor, that sort of thing. We've got tread on the tires that need them, that, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so the bikes are checked over to make sure they're okay. The rider will have his riding kit checked to make sure that that's in, in good condition and no holes in the leathers. On the school day in the UK, we can wear either one piece leathers or two pieces zip together leathers but the leathers have to come right the way around where it comes to to zipping together if, if a person's got any questions prior to the school with regards to their kit and what they've got then they can always give us a call and we'll uh, we'll talk them through it and give them the information rather than having a nasty surprise on the on the morning of the the event yeah um, so so yeah so they, they need uh, leathers boots gloves they need a back protector as well uh, motorsport vision the track owners insist that the riders have back protectors these days which is a perfectly um reasonable uh request absolutely um and the the riders helmets need to have uh, an acu gold sticker on them um which th what that means as far as some people are concerned is that if they have on these uh flip up helmets you know where they sort of detract from the from the gym bar that sort of thing a lot of those while they're extremely good quality don't have an acu gold sticker on there and so they you know we, we need to make sure that they've got a, a gold sticker on there again boots and gloves are in decent condition uh once everything's signed off and they've, they've, they're ready to go they wait around until it's time to go in the classroom um when the bikes are checked just one one important point is that because we're a school we have dispensation from motorsport vision and their and their departments and our insurers not to have to make brake lever guards compulsory 
Um, I don't know what the situation is in the States now, but um, riders have to have on-track days of break leave a guard um, for, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, because we're a school, then we're, we're exempt from that, that ruling, so we don't need a leave a guard. So eight o'clock comes along, then it's into the classroom uh, for, the, for the introduction of the staff. Uh, outlaying, outlining the, the, the various members of staff's roles for the day, what they're going to be doing. Uh, then there'll be a safety briefing given. Motorsport Vision, again, which um, the riders on our on our registration will be given a wristband, uh, which relate to the group they're in, and they need to keep that wristband on. But then they also need a wristband from Motorsport Vision and need to sign one of their indemnities. So riders uh, will end up with, with two wristbands on the day. Again, it's Motorsport Vision's requirement that they have those uh, rather, than, rather than ours. Yeah. So um, once everybody's in the classroom and the um, safety briefing's been, um, we go through the safety briefing. Again, because it's motorsport vision, then you have to do an online safety briefing uh, to satisfy their requirements. So they'll get an online safety briefing and then we'll do ours as well. Uh, because there are certain points in our safety briefing which aren't covered by motorsport vision and we want to make sure that everybody understands uh, what their um, obligations are in terms of uh, looking after themselves and being respectful to the riders on track. So after the after the first after the safety briefing, then everybody will get the first classroom session. Um, so generally, the level ones and the level twos will have a classroom session with me, uh, and the level threes will have a classroom session with with one of the other coaches, and the level fours will go to do their own sort of um, personalised program kind of thing. So what happens is that um, we'll give them a. We'll give them a classroom session initially it's all about uh, the throttle how to stabilize the bike how you do that at what point in the turn you do that the benefits you get from doing that what happens to the motorcycle when you do it and so that that session will run for, for forever forever for us for whatever time it takes really just to make sure that everybody thoroughly understands what's expected of them and what they're meant to be doing out on track um so so we'll do the classroom session for them uh, when the riders go out on track, we want them to ride at about 75% of their maximum ability. So they've got 25% of attention left to, to think about what they're doing and they're able to apply it. You ride at, seven, you ride at 100%, you've got no um, spare attention left to, to practice the techniques you're doing. So after they've, they've had the first classroom session, um, so level one will be, as I said, all about stabilizing the bike. Level two is all about visual skills. So we'll start working on the points to look at on the on the track and on the road. And everything that we do relates just as well to the road as it does, does on track. So they'll they'll get a session on that to give themselves accuracy and consistency in the terms to make sure they can keep doing the same thing every single time. And the level threes will be dealing particularly with rider stability. And that will initially be about where you where you set your body up for the turn, uh, how that affects the balance of the bike, what happens if you start jumping around on it. And so we'll go into to that sort of thing and how, how at what point to get set up when you're on the approach to the turn itself. As I say, level fours is a personal program, so they can be working on anything from the previous three levels, or we've got a, a load of drills that we can get them working on just to help them iron out those little weaknesses that they don't necessarily um, are unable to, to fix at, at the time. And so I need a, a helping hand and, a, and somebody from the outside looking in, really. So they'll be given their first assignment for the ride when they go out. So the, the groups will go out, do two sighting laps, come back in again, line up at, line up at course control, ready to ride, and then they'll meet their, 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 uh, the riding coach for the day. So the coach will come up to them, say, you know, sort of introduce himself, show them what sort of helmet the, you know, he's riding, whether it's got any graphics on it or something, 
so they can identify him. Uh, they'll check that they know what they're doing. And then they're, uh, they're allowed out on track to practice the techniques. So each coach will have three students in each group. So it's quite um, personal in that respect. And so then the riding coach will go out, find those students in the group, make sure that they can practice the techniques and apply. If not, then they'll use hand signals to help them along. Uh, and if necessary, which isn't very often really, if they need pulling into pit lane just to clear something up that the student hasn't quite got, then they'll, they'll do that. But that's usually very short, 90 seconds at most, and then just get them back out there again and get them riding, which is which is what they want to do. So at the end of the at the end of the session, then they'll come back in again, park the bikes in the designated areas, then they'll go into the garages, and they'll have a, um, a personalised debrief with the coach, uh, who'll help, who'll, you know, sort of work with them on the turns so that's not quite as good as they'd expect it to be, validate them for where the, the coach has seen a good job. And, and also find out where the students are in a good job because that's just as important where they think they're happy. Yeah. So from there, um, there you get, a, you get a break while the other groups are out, usually about 20 minutes, something like that. And then you're back in the classroom again with me or, or whoever might be there. <laughs> so, so you go, so the level one students then will be working on uh, turning the bike, where to turn it in particular. Uh, how that has an effect on on your line through the turn, that sort of thing. Um, the level twos will be working again more on visual skills um, with their visual sequence through the turns. The level threes will be working then on transitions, moving around on the bike in between things like chicanes and uh, switchbacks, that kind of thing, so that um, they can they're able to move around on the bike without upsetting it. Um, and a lot of people think that level three really, oh, if we're going to do body position, then it's knee down stuff. But there's quite a lot of the body position stuff in the level three that, that does translate again to the road. You know, you want to go doing knee down stuff on a roundabout, you're going to get an invitation to meet the magistrates. Uh, <laughs> but, but you can still move around and still have an effect on how the bike behaves in the terms, just with a, you know, just with, with, with what we teach, but just not to that sort of extreme. Right. That's, yeah. Again, the level fours are working on their personalized program all the way through the day. So that's how, how their day goes. Um, so again, once they have the classroom, um, they're given a job to do at the end of each classroom session as well, something for them to achieve while they're out there so they're not riding around without a purpose. Um, so uh, so they'll be given the, their next job to do, then they'll be sent out on track again to practice that technique. Coach will work with them, personalised debrief, break, then back in the classroom for the third session, which certainly in the case of other ones is about steering the back, how you steer it, the benefits you get from steering it, uh, particularly quickly. Uh, level twos will be working again on transitions, but in a slightly different way, so they can move across the bike quicker. Um, level threes will then be working. Yep, level threes are working on that. Um, level one, then back again, out on track, back in the classroom. Then the level, uh, the fourth classroom session will be about the input that the rider makes on the bike, how it affects it. Uh, the, the level twos will then be working uh, again with, uh, with visual skills, uh, with peripheral vision. Um, level threes, then we'll be working on how to make the bike take a lot tighter line without leaning it over some more. We have a technique for teaching that to avoid obstacles or maybe the turn gets tighter. Um, and then finally, the, the final classroom for the level ones is a visual skill. Uh, again, to get them looking into the right place at the, in the middle of the turn. Level, th level twos then go on to braking, in particular, how braking can help you set your speed more accurately. We deal with trail braking in that particular classroom session. And then the level threes do uh, do a technique to get the bike off the side of the tire and get better drive down the straights. 
so that's the sort of process that we we go through with the school so each level has a, a specific set of of skills to learn each day and they, they all build on each other so we'll get the bike stable then we'll give the rider the space and time to be able to um have take advantage of the more stable bike and then of course we get them they've got the space and time the bike stable we can get moving around on it yeah that's that's a lot yeah that's that's a whole lot one day right yeah that's that's awesome so is is it just a one-day class or can they sign up for a two and a three-day class we, can start, we, we used to run three days but we found that people get really really tired by the end of the third day we, we're giving them 15 techniques um you know and in some cases we'll be doing off-track drills with them as well so by the time they get to day two and they've had 10 then generally their uh, the head tends to be a bit full and it, it still starts falling apart a bit on day three so so we run two-day events uh, and people can either book what what a lot of people do is you'll get people when we run a two-day school they'll book level one on the first day level two on the second or if they've done it before they'll book three and four or two and three whatever it might be uh, but you also get some people who come and book level one at the start of the year go away and practice it for a month or two and then come back and do level two in the middle of the year and something at the end it's all very much dependent on the on the individual and what they they want you know they and, and what, whatever suits their particular uh learning curve and their, their their sort of desire to improve that's that's awesome so going back to like rider gear right does your helmet have to be a certain year like over five under five years new or does that really matter we don't necessarily um determine whether a helmet's five years old or not i think really that's a that's a common sense thing for the for the rider to right, take yeah. don't check the date manufacture on the helmet as long as it's in good condition um you know the chin strap secure the you know the, the outer structure of the shell's great they don't turn up with a visor that's uh you know scratch that sort of thing then yeah you know we'll, we'll let them out um so for those that don't have their own bike you guys obviously have bikes for rent even for for level one riders too as well yeah we have we have uh we have ninja 650s uh which are great funnily enough there's a lot of people who who do level four who've got super bikes who come and do the school and use the ninja 650s because they say they're cracking motorcycle and um so they're they're really popular we've got some z900s that we rent out as well which again is a nice street bike for people just to sit and relax on and uh, we have the mighty zx10 of course so uh, so we can rent out to people you know we're not gonna let somebody jump on a, a zx10 with six months riding experience that sort of thing but right. but, um, but but yeah that's the uh, that's the range of motorcycles that we have uh, the coaches all ride the zx10s so it's nice to see nice to see them riding around yeah that's awesome so are those zx are they just stock bone stock motorcycles yeah absolutely standard uh, they're all in road trim they've got uh, road silencers fitted uh, road bodywork the only thing we change when we get the bikes because we get them direct from kawasaki they all come crated up all we do is take the tires off and stick uh, pirelli uh, rosso fours on and uh, they uh, they're great and they that's that's all we do to them nothing else and send them out and be on your way right yeah that's and uh for those that are listening um what racetracks do you go do you guys actually do one at cadwell park do you guys host one there or, or there's we, certain yeah we used we used to do cadwell park but there's some uh logistical things which meant that we've not been able to go for the past couple of years um of course cadwell park doesn't have any uh pit garages really so the only area the way we can do the classroom is in the cafe and um you know we can we can check the bikes in the scrutineering bay but generally it's very much a 
what you might call an outside venue. There's there's not much there really uh, yeah. to protect the riders, especially if it's if it's wet and sometimes it does yeah. rain quite. Well. Everybody loves the circuit. There's no doubt about it. Um, but we use uh, Bedford Autodrome, which is which is good. That's a bit of a hidden hidden gem, really. Um, we used to use the the Stowe circuit at, at Silverstone, um, but what but that uh, that changed, so we weren't able to use that. So we we went to Bedford, and what we found at Bedford was because it's um, used for corporate car days and they run MSV track days there. The the facilities are good, the track surface is good, and it's it's really quite a bit of a, a hidden gem. It's wide, it's fast, it's got a nice variety of turns, and uh, and we like it. So we we go to there. Uh, we use Donington Park, but we only do one day a year at Donington. And as I said before, that sells out really, really quickly. Can't think why. Uh, <laughs> so we run the we run the full GP circuit. So you get the, the Melbourne loop and it, and it all going on there. So so everybody likes doing that. And we run uh, the Indy circuit at Brands Hatch. Nice. I actually went to uh, on my way out of Cadwell Park. My mate Daniel Parker on the way to his house. We went by. Uh, brands hatch drove straight up. It was crazy, Gary. Because we straight up, dude, straight up to the gate right near where the guard shack is. He's like, Oi, he said, Uh, 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 hey, my mate's here from, from the United States. Is it cool if we just pull in here and look? He's like, Yeah, 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 just don't make a lap around the track. And I'm thinking to myself, There's no way in America that shit would happen. They'd be like, Hell no, get out of here. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, man. So we drove in there, drove across the track, went, seen all the pit garages back behind it, stood on the podium, got my picture taken, all that good stuff. Uh, brands compared, shoot, my microphone, brands compared to Cadwell obviously is twice the width. Super fast. I mean, it's a super. It looks super fast. Um, obviously, it is. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, those are the only two tracks I I got to see. Um, but Brands looks like a really fun track to be on. I mean, it's just there's not many quarters, right? Um, but it's it's wide open. I mean, it looks like you could just pin it. Yeah, it's quite interesting, Brands, because you see it on TV and you get an idea of the elevation, but it's only when you stand there and look at it how. How much elevation you realise yeah. it has, mostly that that sort of section through Paddock Hill and up and down around the back of Druids and and around there, you know, that's really quite uh, quite impressive. It is, it is, and compared to Cadwell Park, man, like the whole down there where everybody can park is huge, right? It's like, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, a newer track, like a newer style track, man. It's it's uh, you're right. It you can say that, you know, any track that I've been to, you see it on TV and. You're like, oh my god, that looks so fast, or you know, it don't look that hilly like they claim it is. And you show up, you're like, oh shit, it's yeah, this is proper right here. Yeah, um, yeah. you get a lot of people who who say that the corkscrew is the best turn at Laguna, but uh, for me, it's turn one, dude. I say that all the time. I'm like, dude, the corkscrew, it's cool and all, right? Yeah, it's it's great, but turn one's fifth gear, flat out, blind corner to the left over the crest. Oh shit! I hope I hit my marker right, right? My turning point, right? Yeah. Otherwise, I'm gonna be, yeah, it's not gonna be good. So, you're right. Turn one is just, man. It's uh, same thing. I think of like turn one at Coda is pretty good too. You know, because it's such a steep hill. Um. But Coda to me, man, I played on the PlayStation. I just suck. Dude, Cadwell Park too. Everybody knows it's my favorite track, but man, I can't get around that place without crashing at least 30 times. I don't care what I'm on. It's 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 hard, man. It's tricky. It's such a tricky track, but yeah. it's such an amazing course, you know. Yeah, man. Good stuff. Gary, dude. So obviously, do you guys have like Leon Haslam come to the school or do you have any 
racers that actually come and, and, and do uh, coaching? Um, we we tend to find that a lot of our coaches really are, are just effectively what you might call normal riders. Um, you know, we get a few that have raced in the past and uh, have, have found themselves on the podium. Uh, but in the main, a lot of people just want to help other people to to learn to ride. And it's, it's quite, quite I, th I think the analogy was made a while ago, and I think it was, I can't remember who it was now, but they made a comment that, you know, you, you've got somebody like Tiger Woods, the golfer, who's an absolutely fantastic golfer, but nobody knows who Tiger Woods coach was. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's the, the, the methods of teaching there. We, we have had some races in the past who, who've done very, very well and, and have turned out to be, you know, good coaches. But, uh, but the majority of them really just, they do track days and that sort of thing because you don't yeah. get some on the road now. But, uh, but no, we just, we just have ordinary people. It's the communication skills and the understanding of what we teach that's that's important when we're looking for a coach. So, uh, you know, some you do get some riders, as you know, who can go as fast as you like, but aren't actually sure on how they do it or how they go quick. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that depth of understanding that the coaches have helps helps bring people on. You know, we do, as you know, we do work with, with racers. And uh, the thing with the racers is they have the same problems as everybody else, just on a higher level. Yeah. Yeah, that's you're absolutely right. I mean, it, that's that statement right there is so true because a lot of people have the misconception that, oh, they must know something that I don't. And true, yeah, absolutely they do. It's called technique, right? In, in proper way of of going that level of fast, but even they get stumped by the most simple things at speed, yeah. trying to make up that last tenth or half a second or whatever it is. It's well, yeah, so, you know that the the. the um the changes that they're looking to make, uh, uh, as you say, you know, the, the what, tens, hundreds, sometimes the thousands of a second, yeah. you know, and those margins are so small and it just, just might hinge on just one particular thing on a particular part of the track that they haven't quite got right. That, uh, that makes us, that makes a change for them. And you know, what half a second will cover what the top 10 on the grid sometimes. Facts. Yes. I mean, motor GP top 15, right. I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, and and then uh, of course you had your picture taken with Johnny Ray, absolute legend, and I was like, oh my god, what a pick! I actually got um, I don't know if you guys can see it, but right above my light switch, that's Johnny Ray at Cadwell Park. Um, yeah, yeah, on a Red Bull. Uh, I think that's a Honda, if I'm not mistaken. Uh huh. Yeah, it's uh. When I seen that picture with you and him, I was like, oh, my God, dude, lucky, lucky, lucky. So uh, Johnny's super cool in real life. Absolutely lovely fella. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. You know, he, uh, he, he was going out on the on the Pirelli track day and um, he was sat in the garage with us with a cup of tea talking. And, you know, everybody wanted to meet him, which was great. You know, and he's, he's such a I think you find that with a lot of the races, though, you know, the such such nice people that are all all down to earth but it was it was great absolutely fantastic yeah it, it is you know um it's you know you hear the old saying don't you don't ever want to meet your heroes or, or, or people you look up to right um it it is true in, in certain cases but that don't mean that um they're always like that it might have just been something going on that you don't even know about and they just you know they uh they don't sign your autograph or take your picture or just flat out say no whatever the case may be um you still got to have that same belief in them. Um, like I said, you just never know what's going on because our sports 80% at least right here. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's very easy to lose sight of the fact that they're actually at work. 
and you know they've, they've got as you say they've got so much going on they've got um appointments with the press they've got to meet partners and sponsors and they've got their assistant there just effectively cheering them from one thing to the next to the next and you know it's i think it's it's a very it's a very nice place to be but i think it's also a very difficult and a very stressful place to be let alone getting on a bloody motorcycle i know right and tuning it all out like because i know i know that there's probably times where riders are like man i don't want to go to this press office forget that press conference right forget that i want to yeah i want to yeah you, you're absolutely you know so dude what is up martin adams mate what's going on julie wright my man daniel underwood uh pete pete marsh i actually had a conversation with pete marsh uh this morning um dude uh pete and jake and the whole r&d they're just uh mega people man i they're uh i think that's i think that's going to be an interesting uh interesting um tent to be in this year in the r and rd racing one there's uh there's a lot going on there this year i think it's going to be exciting times for them absolutely you know it's uh I can't wait to see what 2024 ha has in hold uh, for them because, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Of course, I'm a huge fan of you guys, too, because I talk about you guys all the time. You know, obviously, us Americans, we're not just going to get on a plane and, and come out here to California, UK, when we got one here. But I always tell people across the pond, you know, all my friends are just people that are listening. You know, hey, if you ever was interested in learning proper techniques to ride and seek no further than, than you guys, you know, Um thing about the school is it doesn't matter where you go in the world where a school run the curriculum is is exactly the same yeah. so level one here is the same as level one in the states in the philippines so so what that means is you can do level one in california if you want to then do level two in the philippines level three in the uk level four in australia you know it, it doesn't matter you get the same same coaching and the same uh, same caliber of coaches as well so it's uh, it's pretty standard in that respect which is great Man, you just gave me an idea for a bucket list, man. If I could ever afford it, that's exactly what I would love to do. Take level one here, fly out somewhere else across the world, take level two. Of course, I'm coming for level three and, and, and level four with you. And uh, for sure, that's where I want to end my journey at. Um, but yeah, I would do that would be awesome. Wouldn't it, Gary? I think about how awesome that would be, you know, because yeah. you, you get to see tracks in, in different cultures and meet different people that are same love same passion right and meet new friends and um it's dude awesome martin adam says i'm booked in twice this year it's mega bro it martin so uh, martin are you taking level one are you level two level three level level four let us know that's Obviously, awesome it's doing level four this time out <sighs> martin's a proper legend yeah yeah he is he is yeah, I think, I think he did level. I think, if I remember rightly, he did level one uh, with us at Brands Hatch. And um, at the time, we had um, the ZH2 as a as a as a higher bike, so we put him on a ZH2. I think he quite liked that. <laughs> I bet he did, right? I would have too. So he says level three again and level four. Martin again, dude, mate, you're a proper proper legend and i can't man i cannot wait till 2025 where i fly out there and i get to meet all you guys you jane pete uh, jake martin it's it's gonna be uh that'll be good to see you yeah absolutely it will I, I can't wait it's uh i talk about it all the time yeah i had so much fun i tell everybody and i told you this before man it was the best trip i've ever had not just because I was by myself and I come to the UK. It was 
the best road race experience I've ever had being at the track. It was, uh, it's nothing like Moto GP, you know, it's, it's different, different from Moto America. Don't get me wrong. I have fun there too. Right. It's proper. It's just different. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it was the whole, uh, BSB always been one of my favorite tr- series, actually physically going to my favorite track in the world. Uh, already had knew a couple people showing up. So I wasn't a total stranger in a different place and didn't know anybody. Right. I think then it might've been a little bit different, you know, mm-hmm. just cause it's, it's, you're just unsure when you're out somewhere and you've never been before, especially thousands of miles across the pond. Right. But it's a uh, best time of my life. Absolutely. I come home. I told my wife, I said, you have got to go. Cause my wife used to go to races with me all like my first, 12 years together, 10 years together. Oh, she was all about it. And all of a sudden I was like, Hey, we're going here. She's like, I ain't going. I'm that's all you like. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to get the hound put in kennels or get someone to look after it for you and bring her over. Right. Yes. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but she definitely w- w- wants to come with me uh, when I come in 2025. So I'm excited for her to come out there and I get to introduce her to everybody and, and uh get her eat some proper fish and chips and mushy peas and all that good stuff curry man yes i'm excited i can't wait so have you ever had any students you actually had a kick out of california superbike school we try our best to ensure that when people come they um the, the, the rules that we have on our safety record is is very very strict and as consequently uh, our safety record is is very good. Um, we sometimes have students come who just get a little bit carried away by the whole uh, occasion and start going a little bit quicker really than they're, they're necessarily capable of or just start going faster because they're enjoying themselves. So usually a gentle word in there like just you know just just bring it back a little bit and you'll be able to to master the techniques. Remember today's are going slow so you can go quick tomorrow. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they, they tend to come around to, to that to philosophy quite, uh, quite quickly. And sometimes you do get the odd one or two that uh, aren't, uh, pati- that can be a little bit problematic and can be hard work, but you get, you get through the day and they get a win out of it. And, you know, occasionally you get some say, yeah, you're right. I was tearing around and I, w- I was a bit stupid, but thanks for, for bringing me back down to earth and uh, getting me focused back on, on the reasons why I'm here. There have been people sent home, um, but they are very, very few and far between. Um, yeah. And generally, it's it's because that um, they they become a liability to either themselves or others, or sometimes both. And and if they, they can't get the message, you know, we try and tell them gently. Then if they don't get the message, we'll probably sit them out for a session, but so they don't ride. Uh, but if they continue to 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 do um, things that are, are potentially dangerous, then then we're not afraid to say, look, you know, you're you're gonna cause a whole load of problems because there are people here who've paid the same as you and want to learn, and they're not able to because you're of your behaviour. Yeah, so you're yeah, away. yeah, yeah. But uh, I think probably the, even the, the length of time I've been doing it, I'd say you could probably count the number of people who've been sent home on the fingers of one hand. So it's a very very small uh, percentage. That's that's awesome. I've, you know, I've I've been at track many track days and i've been there when people's been kicked out just for just you know riding too aggressive and won't stop you know just it it's it's not a place for wheelies you can't get on the back straight ride third fourth gear wheelies i mean it's you know uh, various reasons um 
don't get me wrong. Everybody on the track's got to ride a little wheelie. I don't care if it's two inches off the ground. Yes, I did it right. Proper. Uh, but you ain't out there doing John Hopkins monos, right? Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very important. And, uh, the environment, just being in a class, man, I, you, I, I remember I was so excited like that night. I could, that whole week, I could barely sleep. I was like, yes, I can't wait all this, all that. Right. I just, the whole anticipation, the whole journey getting there, you know, and then, showing up that morning uh because i went i was in phoenix gary so i had i went to i was at mmi i was enrolled there at the time so uh me and a bunch of my mates from mmi we used to ride on the street all the time and you know talk about who's the fastest and all this um of course i was always the slowest on the street because i just didn't take the risk that they, they were willing to take right but it was funny when we ended up on the track uh for our first, you know, end of the day kind of sprint race at the end of the day, because they line up all the new guys and let them do like three laps or two laps or whatever it is, right? I dusted them all, right? Um, but man, I took so much away from just that little time asking the, the coaches while I was there, hey, this, that, you know, uh, listen, I find that approaching a class or a school, it's very important for you as a rider to put your ego away and you're there to learn from scratch from day one, no matter what you think, you know, right? To me, that's how I always approach it. And I think I get the most from it when I do that, right? So just humble yourself, sit back and listen to what he says. You might not agree with it, but there's a reason why that's in place. And there's a reason why Lee Jackson is 80 million miles seconds faster than you are on a track, right? There, there's a reason why this. So pay attention, have an open mind, put your ego, leave it in the car, show up and act like you're a newbie, right? Take it all in and get out there and yep. properly pay attention and learn. And you'll be surprised at the end of the day, you're like, I'm so much more comfortable, so much, you know, not I'm being comfortable on speed, right? So. Yeah, that's, that's why. You know, we, we say to people, come with an open mind and uh, and a willingness to learn and, and you'll you'll improve. And they do. And, and for me, we, we went to um, Cheshire Bay because they had a, a a meeting last Friday. I was talking there about the school. And, and for me, I was saying to them then that, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you go. You can go to any training organisation whatsoever. It doesn't have to be the school because there are some people who don't necessarily um, want to come to the school because they, they might find it intimidating, but they might find that working with the cops on the on the bike safe sort of thing is is where they want to go. And for me, it really doesn't make any difference. You know, if they if they invest in themselves and and go with an open mind and willingness to learn, then that's great. I advocate training, and, and as you say, you can't you can't learn enough. No, you can't. It, it's 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 just like anything, right? Like I I tell people too, mate. When you I say. Like, you see those MotoGP guys right there on the TV, like not the riders because they're always learning too, but the engineers and the mechanics and all them, they're learning. They don't know everything. If they knew everything, they would be winning everything, right? But they don't know everything. Everything is is you learn every day. Um, yeah, and it, it's I think it's important to have that approach, right, to a lot of things in life, really. Um, because yeah, I can come back and, and bite you real quick. And and one thing, Gary, that um I wish they would change here in America is, is that uh not allowing beginner riders, right? So a beginner rider, you know, even though they, they, they got their license come to your school, be like, Oh, I want to ride the ZX ten or you're like, Absolutely not. You're gonna be on this little four hundred or or six fifty or whatever, right? Um here in America, man, you turn sixteen, you get your license, you go to a brand new dealership and buy a S 
M1000RR, 240 horsepower, you know, and and ride it on the street. I just wish a, a lot of people would um, – I wish they would change the law on that and more like what you guys do over there. You got to start out and, you know, be at this level, and then you can go to this level, and then you can get your open license or, or however you guys do it, right? Um, there's certain levels yeah. to this game. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a tiered license system over here, and, and to be quite honest, it's not something that I'm familiar with. You know, when I passed my test, you rode around the block twice. If you stayed on the bike, then you got your license. It was as simple as that. So, uh, so yeah, you know, the whole the whole sort of thing now is is good to, to sort of gradual improvements and you know sort of steps, and it it makes it more expensive. You know, and it's uh, financially, it's a uh, it's it's a big commitment, and you know, to get people on a motorcycle these days to to you know to make that level of investment is uh, is quite a big big thing, and I, I don't mind. You know, once once they've got a license and they can demonstrate a, an ability to pass the test, then you know they can ride a motorcycle, come along. Yeah, it's great. no, it, it it is. Yeah, I mean, we've we've got something new starting this year, um, and that's going to be a much lower gradient in terms of uh, rider training. That's going to be done uh, on a course laid out on the on a paddock area. So, uh, so we're going to be able to work with riders who don't necessarily want to ride on the track and don't have full leathers. They don't have a helmet with a gold star, uh, uh, ACU gold sticker on there. They don't leave the guards, you know. So it's a much softer approach to to learning, and it, and it's part of the the CSS thing, which is great. So, uh, so we're looking to run those, and they're they're half a day rather than a full day. And again, you know, people have have done we've done them in the past, and. Uh, we we had great success with them and, and people were very pleased with the results that they got. It's so, yeah. what, what for that one. That's I mean, I, I think that's awesome. I, there should be more. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot. I never did the research on it, but I, uh, I think people should be more aware and, and want to be, want to properly learn how to ride, man. Cause there's so much, especially out on the streets, right? It's not like, it's not like when me and Martin and Gary and everybody was, was coming up riding on the streets, man, we didn't have iPhones and Androids and everybody with their face and their phones all the time, texting and TikTok and all that. Right. People actually paid attention. Well, not all the time, but more so back then than they do now. Right. Let's just be honest. So, I mean, now I find myself when I'm out there riding on the street, I feel like I'm in, self-defense mode a lot more than I used to be back in the day when I used to be a little hooligan riding wheelies everywhere and you know 120 and all that dumb shit we did on the street which we shouldn't have done I'm not advocating it at all right um but I find myself more of a uh for one all the training you know makes you more aware of what's going on the whole peripheral thing i tell everybody you know peripheral watch tv you know see if your wife passes down the hallway for what's going on on this side your dog comes by or whatever it is be aware of that right so when you're out there on the road you be more aware of potholes or deer coming out or whatever the case may be um but yeah i find myself being in a, a really uh defense mode much much more so than back when we grew up was riding on the street yeah yeah and we Peripheral vision is one of the things we did. We dedicate two classroom sessions on the level two of the school, per, particularly to to peripheral vision and, and using that sort of awareness. But I think I think you're right. Really, you know, it's going back well, a few years. You know, <laughs> people would ride to work in the during the week, and then they they go out at the weekends with the mates and have a ride because the motorcycle was their only means of transport. And it's very much a, a leisure pursuit nowadays. And when you look at 
some of the stuff that was around 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago. You know, the, the, the performance wasn't that great. At the time, it was fantastic, you know, but you get, what, 90 horsepower out of a 550-pound motorcycle. And, um, you know, the, the traffic was lighter, and I think you had a bit more time to see things. Now, all of a sudden, we've got motorcycles that weigh in at, what, 400 pounds, 450 pounds maybe, and they've got 210 horsepower. I think what happens is that, you know, people go out there, they put the bike away for six months over the winter period because they don't need to ride. Then they get them out and think they can go as fast as the at the start of the season as they could do at the end. And, you know, it's not the case. You've got to, got to build up to it. And, of course, when things do go wrong on the sort of speed you can get out of motorcycles like that nowadays, then uh, it goes wrong very, very quickly. Yeah. And that's it gets scary and of course the political climate is such that certainly over here now if you get caught speeding there's a better chance of going to prison for speeding than there is for breaking into somebody's house holy shit really yeah if you're doing the right sort of speeds but you know that's the <laughs> yeah i had so, no idea no it ain't like that over here you get caught speeding they just give you a tip well if it's it's a if it's a a really big speeding ticket that it, they'll impound your bike. And if you're, yeah, if you're doing, if you're running from them, they'll definitely throw your ass in jail. Uh, yeah. But I've been caught speeding several times way over the speed limit and uh, never had, fortunately never had my bike impounded, but had a pretty big uh, fine and ticket and license suspended and all that bullshit that goes along with it. And then I talked myself out of one, one time, which, I was absolutely chuffed and proud of myself because it was like 120 something, like a 45. And the cop got me, man, called in and they, they were ahead and blocked the road. And it was, you know, one way in, one way out kind of street. You had to get down and then it tees off and all this stuff. But anyway, yeah, I ended up because I was living in Phoenix at the time. So, yeah, I just, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. But you're right, man. I, I'm a big advocate. You know, even when I see people riding on the street, uh, I always introduce myself uh, and, you know, how long you've been riding, you know, blah, blah, is this your first bike? Is what you started on? And yeah, I, I try to pick people's brains and, and give them pointers uh, when I can. I want to come by as, as uh, oh, you're doing it all wrong and you shouldn't have bought this bike for a beginner bike, right? You just can't do that. Um, but I just wish that America would would uh, start out to where you couldn't get a, a 600 or a 1000 for your first bike. You got to do it uh, you know a 400 for four years and then you can do you know whatever but that's why our insurance is so high here in america dude my insurance i got a 2003 rc51 full coverage it's like 90 dollars a month us dollars which is ridiculous yeah you know um it would be that yeah do what it's a 51 the vtr yeah yeah the honda rc51 the one that colin edwards won the world superbike title on and all that yeah yeah Yep, the VTR RC fifty one. Over here in America, we call it on the side. It's called RVT. No, it's no, no. It, it yeah, RVT out here. Duh. Yeah. Yo, as a matter of fact, I got I got Ben Bostrom on one somewhere up in. Oh no, I took it down. It's, it's actually up in, in my other room. Yeah, it, dude, it's an amazing. It's always been one of my dream bikes, the RC fifty one. So yeah, yeah. I, but man, I'd love to ride on the street more than I do. I just. Man, don't have really the, a whole lot of time. But when I do, again, um, I like to get out in the wind. It's the only thing that really clears your, your mind more than anything. Yeah, yeah it's it's. I like. I, I still enjoy riding on the road. It's it's you know it's where my where I started. You know, and I, okay, great, get some time to ride on the track so I can go. I can jump on a ZX10 after I've done the classrooms. Go as quick as like around wherever we're riding at the time. So when it comes to riding on the road, then it's great just to get on something that uh, you'd think, yeah, you know what, I'm happy enough. 
yeah, just relax and, and just enjoy this the scenery and the ride, man. Go out with a couple mates at you know lunch or whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's good stuff, man. It's uh it brings people together, right? And uh it makes people happy. Like over here, we actually got a couple uh people, uh vetted track and um uh teb man i forget what it's called uh but they they work with a lot of veterans a lot of war veterans that have pstd right so they have a program where they bring them out get them on the racetrack you know teach them all that just to get just to uh help them cope right and and i've talked to a lot of them and they say it helps that's the number one thing that's helped them more than anything medicine psychos well whatever it, that's helped them the most being on that motorcycle uh which is which says a lot about a motorcycle right but, uh, I, think it's, I think a motorcycle is a great place to be you, you jump on it you put your helmet on you, you fire it up you put your visor down then all the troubles in the world just disappear and there's not many, not many things that can do that for you these days no it don't you know unfortunately for us like i live I, we have a lot of beautiful riding where I'm from in Roanoke, Virginia. We got the Blue Ridge Mountains, the Parkway. I mean, so I don't, when I do ride on the street, I don't stay in the city at all. I immediately hit the interstate, get away from all the traffic and all that. Yeah, and just go out there and, and enjoy the ride, man, out there in the country and all that good stuff. Um, I'm not, you know, into being crazy like I used to be on the street, right? It's still in there, right? I, I usually do it on my little CRF 100 at lower speeds out here, so... When I do flip it, I'm not uh, doing a million miles an hour on one wheel, right? Um, so, yeah. yeah, that's the way to do it. it I is. think you get built sense of self-preservation as well as you get a little bit older. You get smarter, right? You get uh, wisdom, more wisdom. Uh, you just man, your whole mind changes. You just uh, not saying that you know you're, you're not scared to go that fast or do any of that thing. You just once you once you become older and you got a family and a mortgage and a wife, you know, all that plays in the back of your head. You know, it's different for a road racer out there on the, and that's their full-time job. You know, they don't think about any of that. They get off the plane, they show up, they jump on the bike, they ride it to come back and they say a little bit more traction control here, a little bit more engine braking here, sit down in this chair, drink some water. Okay, we're done. Go back out there, do it, get on a plane, go home or to the next round. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, man, it's good stuff. Gary, this has been a lot of fun, man. We're coming up on an hour. Um, that's good. Yeah, this is good, man. This is good. I look forward to having you back on. What was the plans with the school in um, 2024? You said you was pretty much seven months booked out. Yeah, we, well, we've got seven. We've got seven dates this year in the UK. Uh, we're 70 percent sold out. So the first one's at the beginning of May. Uh, that's at Brands Hatch, and I think that's all that's sold out as well, if I remember rightly. Then we go to Bedford. Then we got Donington. Then we go back to Bedford again. So. Uh, so it's going to be going to be quite an interesting year. I'm sure. It is. So anybody listening at 70% sold out, I suggest you get online and, and sign up and fill in those slots and you'll have a really good time. Not physically. You're not going to be out there riding wheelies, but you're going to have a really good time hanging out with all the mates and meet new people and being in that atmosphere and, and yeah, learning uh, proper techniques and, you know, a lot of people don't think about that simple stuff too. peripheral vision, looking ahead. You know, people I tell people too, man, wherever you look on that bike, that bike's going to go. So if you see a pothole and you want to avoid it and you look at that pothole, guess where you're going to hit that pothole. Yeah. So it's it's very important. You know, just simple stuff like that uh, tremendously helps everybody out. But before we get off here, Gary, man, I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about more of 
the race season coming up in, in, in 2024. I know we kind of chatted about this a little bit. Um, I know you don't know too much about Moto America, but man, dude, our class is stacked this year. Super bike, super stock, super sport, down to the junior cup, twins cup, a lot of movement. Um, there was rumors there a month ago, uh, maybe it might've been a month ago where it was a good possibility. We might've ended up with Glenn Irvin out here on Warhorse Ducati, uh, which yeah, I had a bit of that as well. Yeah, I would have absolutely. I was a big advocate. Everybody's like, it, my mates over there across these, well, we don't want him to leave BSB. I'm like, it's just temporary. He'll be here for one or two years and he'll come back. I promise. But we want him. We would love to have Irvin. Let's get him over here, right? Just opens the door. And that's always been my dream, man. Is Moto America and BSB combined together, right? It's, it's, uh, what a show that would have been, man. To have him over here would have been absolutely and then america could have could have met a top notch bsb guy and how cool they were maybe they would of course i'm a big advocate and i talk about it all the time so i'm trying to turn of course more americans on to bsb but i think that would have greatly helped right but uh we got loris baz back so he's coming back um ben spees is back he's not racing but he's he, he's a team principal on on raul uh uh, the new Ducati team with PJ Jacobson and uh, Kayla Yakov. Man, this year's Moto America is going to be absolutely good, right? And then brings us to World Superbike, right? Everybody knows Top Rack on the BMW, Johnny Ray on the Yamaha. Uh, he was good. I thought that Johnny Ray looked really comfortable on the Yamaha. I thought he was going quite well on it. I think so too. It's it's like uh, I, me and Jules was talking about this last night. I'm like, look, man, it's uh. He's been so long on an inline four. Now he goes to yeah, it is an inline four, but it's a cross plane crank, different firing order. So it it's it's just different, right? It, it it's not the speed of the machine that's going to be a, a, an advantage or anything. It's how well he adapts his riding style to get the best out of that Yamaha. Same thing with top rack and the BM for anybody racing. It's how you suit yourself to get the best fit and the best feeling and make that bike do what you want it to do, but. In the same instance, give you that feeling that you need as a rider to achieve those unobtainable speeds that we all envy. All those viewers are just drooling over watching you on TV, right, or in real life, uh, which is which is important. So, yeah, man, it's uh, that's what I tell everybody when it comes to rider swaps, man. And and then of course the garage side of things, Gary. You know, nobody knows what happens inside the garage. You know. Uh, how well they gel with the team, how well they don't gel with the team. But you can see all that out there on track anyway. So um, if you just open your eyes and really pay attention and watch, you can pretty much see what's what's going on to a certain extent. Yeah, I, th I think that Bautista is still the one to beat them. You're not the only one that says that, right? And listen, I say that too, Gary, and, and this is why I say that. Uh, it's just like Jake Gagne here in Moto America. It is so hard to beat somebody that gels so well with the team that knows each other inside and out. Yeah, he might not be the fastest guy around the track every lap that day, but he wins that race because of everything is just 100% boom, right? And when you have that, I don't care what bike you got, who you got as an engineer or whatever, your data guy, you might get them on a day or two, but at the end of the championship – you don't stand a chance. You really don't. Um, uh, he's, he's got that bike working really, really well, and you can see he's really comfortable with it. Absolutely. Proper yeah. barrel, 
you know we've seen them in the past where you've had a rider on a particular motorcycle and they've been unbeatable for years doing on the honda for example um you know and rainy on the yamaha that sort of thing and they were just at one with the bike and it made all the difference yeah so peter marsh mate he says uh he says gary please can you explain about the new training you are offering away from the tracks this year yeah we briefly touched on it a few minutes ago um it's it's something new that we've got coming up that we're going to launch um and it's a css superbike school uh product that that's run for riders who don't necessarily want to ride on track or maybe feel intimidated but still want to improve the skills um so because we we can run it in uh we're going to run it in the paddock area at alton park at the tarmac lake at donnington the lower paddock at uh, brands hatch and the monza suite at, at bedford autodrome and so we're, we're going to lay out a circuit using cones and um give the riders a classroom session and get money around the cones and just stop them and, and give them hints and improve the riding and give them things to do and techniques. Uh, and because it's it's not uh, involved on a track, there's no back protectors needed. That doesn't mean to say you can't wear one, but it's not compulsory. You don't need lever guards. You can turn up in textiles, for example, which you can't ride on the track in the UK. So you can turn up in a riding jacket and a pair of Kevlar jeans and a pair of boots and gloves and you can you can come and learn some stuff there it's uh it's going to be a half day course so again that'll be an early start finishing about 12 31 something like that and then uh, another one in the afternoon so uh that's going to be launched very very soon and the first event we're running is going to be on the 4th of april at alton park so it's uh it's it's quite exciting times we'll uh we'll hope to see quite a few people on those and again it's you know it's something that that improves your riding and that's the that's what it's all about it's the good they go away with some skills so uh so yeah we're looking forward to to getting that going that should be a good gig yeah that's going to be awesome and, and and that'll be out on your guys's website too as well correct we won't be on the school website but we will be launching uh, a website with it but in the meantime just okay. watch it. So keep your eye on the social media on the uh the instagram and the facebook and all that kind of stuff and uh there'll be uh, information and details coming soon well, you guys heard it. Yeah, that that's awesome. It's it's good stuff, man. Good stuff. And I foresee uh yeah, you'll you'll fill up on that too pretty quickly, quite as well, too. Absolutely. Yeah, we hope so. As I say, we, we ran it a few years ago um with one of our former partners and it was very successful. So uh we've we've got uh, new partners who are gonna be getting involved in that. So uh they're uh, they're looking forward to it as well good stuff uh I, I did have actually have a question to myself as as far as let's say if somebody was actually interested in in being a coach at california yeah. superbike school right do, do they have on your website do they have like job available section or do they just contact jane email or what we yeah what we do all all the coaches are former students from the school okay. uh, so, so we like somebody to to have done the school um and it can work one of two ways usually we like to do level one preferably one and two um but uh, they can either be invited to be a coach or they can put their hands up and ask which is what i did so uh, so we'll go from there and the process isn't the easiest in the world we get uh, out of every 25 applicants we get one coach so the uh, the, the training's not uh, not the easiest in the world but you know the bar's set high for for obvious reasons and that's the you know that's where the where the school sits in the great scheme of things so we we like to think that we're you know one of the best if not the best rider training setups in the world and we want to 
coaches who are, who are able to step up to those standards. But yeah, anybody who's done the school one and two, if you want to come and have a go, then please give us a call. We're always looking for coaches. That's awesome. That's 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 good stuff. So uh, another question too, man. Just so everybody, is there a price difference between level one, level two, level three, and level four courses, or is it? How does that work? The difference in price comes dependent on the venue. Okay. So, so because Wellington Parks then we'll you know we have to charge a, a, a premium price for for Donaldson. You come to Bedford, obviously, because it doesn't cost as much. Then price is lower. But whether you come to do level one, two, three, or four, the price is, is the same on that at that particular venue. Awesome. Good stuff, man. So you, you guys heard it. The same price, you know, just get on there and highly recommend it. Absolutely. And wherever you're at in the world, you could wherever. Uh look them up. Uh they're you guys are in America, the UK, Australia. Do you guys have one in Japan too as well? I believe they've done a school in Japan, but I'm not exactly certain okay. because that's not by the Australians. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the USA branch have a bit in the, to do with that one as well. Yeah, 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 probably, yeah. I didn't think about that. You're right. Yeah, yeah absolutely, but, you're right. We've done schools all over the place in, 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 the, in the past. So uh, That's good stuff. Hi. Hi. Where's our kid? Uh, he stayed in the night with Nana. She came and got him. Oh, okay. All right. Trying to uh, the kids are here. Okay. My wife just got home from from getting her uh, nails and toes done. You know how you women like to do that, right? So we're like, yeah, absolutely. You know, my son stayed the night. My son's friend stayed the night last night. So I got up this morning, took him home, and then um, her sister come and got her kids, and they're gonna go with us to to the little Super Bowl shing ding. So they just got home and. She want to pop her head in like she always does. But I, I tell, I even tell my mom, my dad, they're like, well, if you're in there podcasting, I don't want to come and interrupt. I'm like, bro, absolutely. Open the door. You can come in there and give me a hug. Give me a kiss. I'll tell you, I love you. I ain't got no shame. Absolutely not. Right. It's uh, yeah, for, for real. It's a uh, way to do it. Yeah. It's the way to do it, man. Don't, don't. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I encourage it. I, I think it's good. So Gary, yeah. listen, man, dude, this has been a uh, hold up. We're not done yet. Cause we got to talk about, my favorite, which is two, the TT 2024 yeah. and BSB, right? A lot of BSB two as well. Uh, Tommy took the number one plate. Mm. Now, he's, now he's going to Honda. Um, it hadn't been confirmed yet. But what I've been hearing allegedly is that Glenn's going to be with uh, PBM, uh, be a one rider bike. Um, it'll be, they will be a LTD and not, Allboard Motorsports, right? So it'll be PBM, something else. From my understanding, allegedly it's not 100% set. So nothing's been um, announced yet, neither. But uh, yeah, a lot of movement in BSB, too. It's going to be a proper year in all classes. You know, we've got Finn Whedon coming back. Uh, the, the Our junior sport equivalent to, to our, our junior cup champ out there, um, Cameron Frazier, GP2 champ. I mean, it's, it's a. Uh, Good stuff, man. BSB is going to be proper this year. So, <clears throat> from my from my understanding, uh, that'll be the first time Hondas had a number one plate on their bike in BSB since 2011. I won't be surprised. It's a long time, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's been a long time. But you know, my feeling on that is is you didn't win the champion. 
you got the champion rider, right? That that that's putting his number on that bike. So that's not a championship winning bike. Now he wins the championship on that bike. Absolutely, by all means. Uh man, I, I don't know. How do you feel about a rider that won a title on one team and goes to another manufacturer and runs the number one plate? Do you know what? It it doesn't make any difference, really. It's not the first time it's happened, and I don't think it'll be the last. No, it won't. You remember Fogarty went to Honda on the RC45 with the one plate. When was that, 96, I think, something like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it's 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 not unusual. And I think that, you know, the, the riders really have to, you know, look, look after themselves in a lot of respects. If Honda came along with a fantastic deal, then, you know, that it'd be be foolish not to take it it'd be interesting to see how it goes as a full-blown superbike and fireblade i know um, i think that's gonna that's gonna be uh gonna be the the crux of it really if they've got a bike that's absolutely sorted out then i think that you'd be in with a chance of winning it again uh, yeah and the the man the last race of the year bsb bro was just fun it's my my favorite race of the year it was absolutely hands down half a point bar none whoever wins takes it right it was uh I thought for sure they was going to take each other out there for a minute. And then I'm like, then what happens, right? If they take each other out, it's uh, I guess it would fall back to, to the previous race. Maybe I, I don't know how that'd work, but uh, no, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, it would have been, uh, I, th I think that probably they both had a little bit of the hardware to make sure they'll just stay on it and bring it home. So that's right. uh, well, that, that'd be, uh, that'd be quite, uh, quite interesting to see how that goes. Um, we've got, uh, we've got one of our former, uh, students who's just started coming back to the school who's who's moved on to the uh, uh, ready for race Ducati V2 this year and that's Joe Francis nice so, so we're looking forward to seeing Joe going well this year yeah I, I mean I think I sent Joe a message uh, if, if I'm not mistaken yeah I sent him a message he still hadn't replied back so Joe if you're listening bro hit me up dude so we can get you in and on for sure uh yeah and then the TT bro right dude Peter Hickman, 136. I mean, how much faster are you going to go? Soon we're going to see 140 miles an hour in a couple of years, right? Which is just, I mean, it, proper mental. Man, these guys are just legends. Every single, down to the very last person across that timed event is a proper legend at the TT. The Macau, the Southern 100, all those. Um, but this year we could see uh, Michael maybe surpass Joey um, for the all-time TT record. So well, that, that'll be a, a quite a poignant moment. Won't it? it will I think, be. Uh, I think he will as well. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's phenomenal on that motorcycle around those, around those road circuits. And it's, it's nice to see as well that, you know, you've got people like Peter Hickman who can do well in BSB then, and, and uh, then go to the Isle of Man and, uh, and go, you know, as, as quick as he wants around as well. You know, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, there wasn't very many people that raced the TT and that did well on short circuits, right? <laughs> McGinnis dabbled in it, was never really like, you know, proper at it like, you know, uh, other people were. Um, but now you see it more these days of people doing short circuits and doing fairly well and still doing the TT. Yeah. Uh, it just to me, you know, I always separated them short circuit riders versus TT riders because of that. Because nobody really had a big success on short circuits that road, uh, the real road racing. Um, 
now you see that uh, they do, and they're very successful. So they're the same rider, um, same craziness. It's just I guess they have some extra in there that they can unlock when they go to places like the TT and just whatever it, it is. Uh, it's uh, absolute legends, Gary. Like yourself, you're a legend too. Absolute legend. For yeah, what you're doing for the sport, yeah. Well, I I got involved particularly with the school because pretty much for the, for yeah, and it goes back to what you were saying before. You know, I've had so much fun and pleasure out riding motorcycles, and I've met some lovely people. I've been to some fantastic places, and if I can pass on that that joy of riding a motorcycle to somebody else, then then for me that's it. Job's done. Because it it's it's all about they're too expensive to buy just just to park in the garage and dislike intensely. <laughs> Man, that is a fact, right? Especially these days, Gary. Right? I remember when I bought my first six hundred, it was like sixty two hundred bucks off the showroom floor. Right now, uh, buy six hundred minus the ZX six R over here. It's I think ten five, which is reasonable. Uh, the R sixes were like fourteen grand or something. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, but over here, you go to most motorcycle deal. Well, in my area, I can't contest anywhere else, but in Roanoke, Virginia, uh, you go into dealerships and there's barely any crotch rockets at all, sports bikes, right? At all. They're mostly side by sides, ATVs, uh, Groms, right? Uh, little Z125s, dirt bikes, stuff like that. You don't see very many R1s or GSXRs or. Yeah. Now, if you go down to Eurosports, they're a Indian Ducati dealership in BMW. Yeah, they have the SR1000 and you know a couple of V2s, maybe a V4. Um, I doubt they have the V4R because that's a that's a special one, right? Um, but yeah, it's 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 not like it used to be back in the heyday. You walk in a dealership and there's ZX7, ZX9s. I mean, GSXR 600, 750s. I mean, just all that cool bikes, you know, and, and the colors we had back in the day were awesome now everything's just kind of um they're good looking bikes don't get me wrong but we need to go back to the to the 80s and 90 color schemes we had the pinks and the fuchsias and the purples and all that yeah. cool stuff man that that was uh awesome i loved it yeah I, th I think that that's that's absolutely right but it's certainly becoming the case over here now you know people uh people you, you still see plenty of the sports bikes on track but there's specifically track bikes rather than road bikes as well yeah. um um we, 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 of course, were partnered with Ducati for a few years. And when the Multistrada first came out, and I think it was 2010, 2011, um, and myself and a colleague took a, took a, well, a pre-production bike around the dealerships for a, a bit of a presentation even so people could see it. And the number of people who said at the time, do you know what? This is exactly what I want because I've got an 1198. I love it to bits, but after 20 minutes, I just ache. And so this is what I've been looking for, and this is what I want. And so we finally realised, I think, what the Continentals have been telling us for years. And uh, you know, these these new um, sort of adventure bikes now—they're just as quick. You can go just as quick on a multi as, you, as, as as an adventure, or you know, whatever it might be. On the roads we've got now, uh, as, as you could on a sports bike, especially oh, with the potholes. Dude, yeah, for sure. A lot of people don't realize that too. I'm like, dude, sports bikes—they're—they're they're designed to go fast around a track, not fast on streets with bumps and, you know, on public roads with all that stuff. You can, but you gotta go to the TT for that, right? But you can't do it here. Uh, yeah, it, so they're not as fun to ride on a street, right? They're, I mean, be honest with you, they're not. Versus a BMW 1200 GS Adventure 
our Multistrada, our KTM 1290 Super Duke, our Tawano, or whatever it is, right? Uh, when you're more upright, it, it copes better with the bumps and the everyday situations on the road. Um, yeah, I have more fun riding those bikes than I do my RC51. I just get a lot of questions about the RC51 when you take it out because you don't see them no more, right? They're like, oh my God, that thing's awesome. It sounds so good. What is that? You know? Um, but yeah, man, good stuff. Gary, dude, listen, it's been an honor absolute honor to have you on the podcast again looking forward to having you back on um yeah it's, it's good it's, it's going to be a lot of fun yeah it's been good to be back and it's nice just to sit and talk stuff about motorbikes absolutely we'll do it again so uh why don't you tell everybody how they can find uh california superbike school how they can sign up and all that good stuff if you go to superbike school all one word dot co dot uk uh the website's there um you can go through the, the, the pages on there. I've talked to you about the levels. Uh, there's a page on there for the equipment that you need. We've got a partners page on there that got links on to send you to their websites if you want to their products. Um, there's there's a, an email inquiry address there. You've got any questions, then by all means, fire an email over and we'll answer your questions for you. Um, it gives you the prices, the availability, where we're going to, and uh, some, uh, some, some customer feedback as well you know some sort of recommends that sort of thing so uh go and have a look around see what you can find plenty of questions on there that, that uh, we think most people want to know the answer to but if it's not there then just drop us a line and we'll uh, we'll answer your questions for you and come along and see if you want to learn absolutely and you guys uh keep a lookout too for that street course uh they're going to offer here c coming up in the future soon which is which is a great course for any of you guys out there that don't are not comfortable are not wanting to be on the track uh that still want to seek that um learning how to ride and, and proper techniques that offer that too which is which is going to be big so keep yeah, an eye out for that yeah that's called rider confidence training so keep your eye out for that rider confidence training there it is you guys uh before i get off here real quick for me and gary get off here of course you already know my man martin from the clothing king uh dot uk you can get all pinned to gas merch you can get hats beanies all that good stuff obviously i say it all the time my man pete marsh and uh my man jake marsh club 45 out there in bsb uh some of the best people in the world gary as well too and his wife jane hello jane um so yeah uh thank everybody that watches all the time and it's an honor absolute honor to have everybody uh, involved in pin the gas and everybody that watches again it's it's thank you guys so much stay tuned because i actually have another podcast coming up so you will see this guy again here in about two hours so uh gary listen just stay on with me for, for a minute and uh yeah we'll take it from there but thank you guys so much for watching and i'll see you here shortly and thank you everybody for listening it's uh it's, it's a pleasure as, as chris says absolute honor